2: Hello everyone, welcome into the MMQB podcast with Gilberto Manzano and I, it's Matt Verderan. We are back. It is October 25th. We are a day away from starting week eight. We're fresh off the rarest of occurrences. Kirk Cousins looked great in a primetime game. And the 49ers have lost two straight look. We're gonna get into all that, especially the Niners side of it, and a little bit more. We've got, of course, our, our top five games. Uh, from week eight with the lines from SI Sportsbook. We've got the storylines and, of course, what's going on at the end. Um, But uh, first things first here as we head into week eight. Uh, Gilberto, how are you doing? What's going on?
3: I'm not doing well, Matt. Uh, It was a rough week for me with the picks challenge that we have at the MMQB staff uh, week seven. And uh, I'll, I'll admit it. I know, like, you know, and I'll start with, like, a little rant. People have not admitted their mistakes about the Ravens. I admit that I was wrong with the Ravens, and I was wrong a lot in Week Seven, three and ten. I said it, three and ten was my record a week ago.
2: I was four and nine, but the good news is we were not called out by the Ravens. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, there was a tweet, so they they obviously they hammered Detroit, and I don't want to. I, I, you picked Detroit as well, right? I, I, know did. I did. I did too. Okay, so we both did, and the Ravens' social media team rounded up experts who had picked the Lions to win the game and basically shamed them in this one tweet. Uh, and it wasn't just guys from our our team here at SI. It was, it was you know, CBS and, and I think ESPN was in there and whatnot. Um, but it was funny because they shamed Breer, Connor Orr, and John Plume, our editor. Like he, John somehow was, was shamed. And Connor, they didn't spell his name right. So the, double <laughs> shame there uh we avoided that so that that's a win even though we lost we won because we weren't shamed publicly by the team itself um i enjoyed that immensely and i'm thinking but, about getting that, that that tweet printed out on a t-shirt and and send it to those guys for christmas
3: but the funnier thing matt uh connor Orr actually picked the raven so they called out the wrong person right. they mis- they right. misspelled his name too and and yeah I, I don't know that was a strange thing about picking and choosing and i'm like I'm kind of offended that you know we didn't make it. I'm like we we chose wrong. Come call me out. I
2: don't know. I've only had a team that ever do that to me one time, and that was uh, a couple of years ago, 2020. The Cardinals beat the Bills on a hail mary, and I it, like I tweeted out with you know whatever. Ten seconds left. I'm like wow, huge win for the Bills. Tough loss for the Cardinals. You know whatever. And then that play happened, and the Cardinals like quote tweeted it, and they're like, "And then what happened? What happened?" You know, which was fine. It was yeah, I mean, it, was, it was funny, but it—that's the only time uh, that I can think of, anyway, that's ever happened. But yeah, so our colleagues uh, getting caught on the carpet, as you said, and you're right, Connor Man was not even wrong; he was actually right, <laughs> and they threw him under the bus anyway. So tough, tough well, day for Connor. Not, not well, where you want to be.
3: Speaking of being right, Matt, you I saw your tweet. I'm sure your comments were pretty uh were interesting to say the least when it came to you bashing the Colts uniform. You're correct. Those those things were awful to watch, and maybe that's why the referees threw a bunch of flags against them.
2: They deserve to lose those uniforms a lot. I I don't understand look, you know, Gilberto, I am a I am a traditionalist. And I mean, but I'm i I'm a pragmatic traditionalist. I understand that. We live in a day and age where you're trying to merchandise everything, trying to sell everything. And, and so the more crap you can sell, the more money you're going to make. If some dope will buy it, even if it's hideous. The Colts have one of the more iconic uniforms in sports. I mean, dating back to when they were in Baltimore. I mean, the blue and the white, and the, you know, the white helmet with the horseshoe on. How do you bastardize it to that level? I mean... How is it that hard? Like, come up with an alternate Fine, You want to wear all blue and you want to do, like, a little color rush. Yeah, fine, whatever. Go nuts, okay? The Chiefs do whatever. Yeah, they look like ketchup bottles. Whatever. Fine. Like, I don't have a problem with that. To, to screw with the helmet, this, like, dark blue with the black, it, it, it looks awful. It looks absolutely atrocious. And so, the Colts, listen, they got screwed by the, offici- uh, the officiating, and uh, that sucks, but everybody got screwed because they had to watch that game and look at that team for three-plus hours. And uh, so I, I don't feel all that bad for them.
3: Well, well luckily, we got to see the Kelly Green uh, on the Eagles for oh, Sunday beautiful. Night Football. And, I, yeah, that's the classic. So I, I think we're on the same page there.
2: How do you – not like, if you're the Eagles, bro, just go back to them permanently. Like, go back to them – Again, look, I'm a big nerd with, like, field design stuff. The eagle on the 50-yard line with the football in its talons that's classic. I love when the Bucks wore their creamsicles and they had that massive Tampa Bay creamsicle helmet on the, on the field. The thing was, like, yeah. 20 yards wide. I like all that stuff. It's fun. It's, like, you know what? Like, how many teams in the course of the NFL, of course, we don't have to, like, go you know, team by team here, but, like, how many teams have changed their uniforms in the last 25 years and people have been like, that's absolutely unequivocally a better look. It's rare, right? Like I think the Bengals probably upgraded. The Chargers did a nice job with their new uniforms; they're, they're very nice. Most teams screw it up. Most teams are like, "Yeah, man, I don't know about that. Like, I'd probably go back to the old ones." And I think that's where we are with with this nonsense.
3: Yeah, like the Buccaneers try something, I guess, newish. You could call it uh, for a few years, and I hated the numbers of the, the way it looked. And they kind of came back to the the the, the two thousand era Buccaneers, yeah, yeah. two thousand two, and then with the LA team, it's funny because. They did, you know, the Chargers went back to the powder blue, but it's kind of like, you know, from the classic days. And then the Rams tried something new, went back to the classic days. So you're right. Usually when you go backwards and go throwback, you usually get it right. When you try to go new age and something new, you usually get it
2: wrong. By the way, with the Rams, and I, I love their, their colors, can you, can you fix the helmet so it's an actual horn? <laughs> drives me nuts it, like, yeah. it doesn't wrap around it's an, it annoys me it's like by the way we're gonna get a great uniform this week with the seahawks going back to the silver helmet look
3: that's right, that's
2: right. just stick with a man they're a million times better than this crap now I, and look i don't even hate their uniforms now like when they first came out with them you were kind of like whoa that that's so different i don't hate them but like the helmets are so much cleaner, so like all right, we could we could go down this road forever. Denver should go <laughs> back to their helmets from the Elway days. Like, just whatever. But um, you know, oh, we're also gonna get the Houston Oilers, which by the way we hear that's a good way to dovetail. How do you yeah. feel about the the uh, the Tennessee Titans wearing a Houston Oilers uniform? I know obviously they came from being the Houston Oilers. Like, I understand that, yeah. but of course now you have the Texans like. Do you think the Oilers should be worn by the team that they technically were or the city that they, they came from?
3: Yeah, I don't like it. That, that's a Houston thing, Houston Oilers. Yeah, and I get it that when Tennessee uh, or when the Houston Oilers moved to Tennessee, they were the Tennessee Oilers for a bit. I, yep, I get, get that. It. But it just feels wrong to me. Like, even with the with the, with the the Chargers, they try to bring San Diego history, and I'm like, you live in L.A., and that's, it's all kind of weird to me. But, you know, I say – you know make a deal somehow with the Houston Texans and give it back to them because it just feels so wrong to me or just don't even don't bring it up maybe you could you know give them like a day to bring back the the the, the alumni from Houston days that's fine too but to wear the uniforms if I'm if I'm a Houston fan who grew up during that era I would be I would be pretty offended to see that for a Tennessee team
2: yeah I agree like I and I love those uniforms but it just it drives me nuts. like look when you move a franchise you should not get to take the history with it that should belong to the city. And I know that's not the way it works. Like I understand the the financial reasons why and everything else. But I I feel like the the city invested now. In like if Oakland ever got another football team, but like, sorry, it should be the Raiders. Now, of course you're not gonna be, and it's not gonna happen. But like, you know, I'm an Oakland A's fan of baseball, which I hate to admit publicly, uh or privately. But, you know, when they move to Vegas and John Fisher screws every single fan of the team and moves them over there for an extra eight bucks, like they should have to leave their history in Oakland, California, and you know go be the Las Vegas Aces or whatever the hell you want to be, and, and go go be cheap there and lose 100 games in a desert, and, and nobody nobody will care because everybody's going to be there for the strip, and nobody's watching 162 baseball games in Las Vegas. Um, but I digress. All right, look, let's get into the storylines for week eight, and, and we'll start where week seven left off, which is of course the Vikings beating the Niners. We do respect the Minnesota, who we will touch on later on here. Uh, let's get to San Francisco. I mean, should there be concern about A, Brock Purdy, and B, the Niners? We saw Purdy in that game play pretty well through three quarters, and A, through two picks at the end. Neither one was a particularly good throw. You know, it wasn't like it went off some guys' hands, it was, it was right at buying them in both cases. And the Niners, they've lost two straight. Uh, still leading the NFC West by a half game of Seattle, but uh, all of a sudden finding themselves in a little bit of a tailspin as they get ready to host the Bengals. Are you worried about the, the quarterback, the team, neither, both? Where do you stand?
3: You know, I'm not too worried about, about uh, Brock Purdy, and I get people need to make hot takes and make rankings, and you, you do the quarterback rankings here, Matt, so this is your job here. Yeah. But when, when Brock Purdy has all his weapons, let's just keep it simple. As yes? has Debo Samuel, Trent Williams. He's a great quarterback. They're they're fine. That's what they need him to do with a complete team. You have to go go do what Jimmy G couldn't do it and go win a Super Bowl. And yes, you don't have to deal with Sam or Trent Williams. You might be a, a game manager. You might be a, a, an average quarterback. I don't really care about that. Even though I I have been I've been very uh I've been given a lot of words of encouragement for Brock Purdy. Like like the like Troy Aikman by the way in the broadcast kept saying how much he knows about uh, Brock Purdy. He loves Brock Purdy. Cool, we get it. But but move on. But, you know, I'll just say that. Brock Purdy, with, with all his weapons, they'll be fine. To me, the bigger story, man, like, what happened to that defense? This is a a, a top-five defense, maybe the best defense. Where has Nick Bosa been all year? That's a little concerning. Even Fred Warner had a, had a rare day off, and to see Kirk Cousins just light it up, all the rumors and stories about Kyle Shanahan wanting that guy, Kirk Cousins came up again. That's how great he was. And no Justin Jefferson, to top it off. So I am more concerned about the defense than I am the offense, but – you know, it is football. Injuries are going to happen. You're not going to have the perfect roster come playoff time, so maybe that's a little concerning. But the defense playing that bad—that's a little head scratching to me.
2: Yeah, you know, look, I I'm not worried about them in terms of like look, I still think they're they're a phenomenal team. I think they're top three in the league, and and I I think Purdy is what he is. I think he's an average quarterback. I, I I've had him. The highest I've had him in my rankings is 10. I think the lowest I've had him is like 16. I think right now he's 14, something like that. Like He's right there. He's, he's a slightly above average quarterback. Um, My question has always been about Purdy, and we've seen it the last two weeks. And to be fair to him, look, if Jake Moody hits a field goal at the end of that game in Cleveland, they win the game and nobody's sitting there talking about any of this. But in both those games when he has been behind and he's had to throw the ball and teams have known he's had to throw the ball, it's gotten a little bit uglier. Now, You could say, well, that's the case for 90% of quarterbacks in the league. You could also sit there and say, well, he's got to be better. Fine, you could split the difference either way. My main thing with the Niners right now is just, look, you can't afford to lose that many games because Philadelphia's not going to lose that many games. And in the NFC, this isn't like it used to be where you get two teams that get a bye week and, hey, you know what, whatever, if we're the 2 right, you got to go on the road for a game. The bigger difference to me and the bigger advantage to me Is not so much that you get home field advantage. Matt helps. That's nice. Don't get me wrong. You're the only team now that gets an extra week off. So you're just sitting there. And yet the Niners are going to play some team. Like if the Niners are the two seed, yes. They're going to play some team. They're going to plow in the wild card round. But you get beat up. What if some guy gets hurt? You know, that happens. It's the NFL. So I'm not worried about them. I think they'll be completely fine. But I do think that it is showing a little bit that they do have to play a specific way. I forget where I saw it on Twitter. It was kind of all over Twitter after the game. The Niners, in their last 36 games, with Kyle Shanahan as a coach, when they're trailing by eight or more points in the fourth quarter, they are 0-36. That tells me you don't have to play a quarterback. Like that, that's the problem. And in these games, like if you can bottle McCaffrey up, and Minnesota their credit did, it becomes a totally different game against San Francisco. And so, look, how many teams can do that? Probably not many, which is why they won a bunch of games. But, yeah, I do think there's at least some some notes to be made out of that game.
3: Yeah, you know, in terms of the big picture, it is concerning because you watch the Eagles on Sunday Night Football just controlling the clock. You you get the tush-push or the brotherly shove whatever you want to call it. Yep. Keep your offense on the sideline. We're, we're going to go down the field for seven, eight minutes, take the clock off, and then score a touchdown because you can't do anything about it. So, when the game script is not going their way, like Miami, and I guess maybe the 49ers too, like Philly's just going to control everything. And if, like you mentioned, if the Eagles get the home seed one week off and you get to go into Philadelphia in a tough road environment, I just don't see the 49ers pulling it out. So that is, that is concerning. I'm not saying the 49ers are like the Dolphins. I think the 49ers have much more to offer. But if it's physical, a low scoring, controlling the clock type of game, and you're behind, I, I do have concerns about that stat you just mentioned about being down eight points and you, you don't have a quarterback to able to operate that. We haven't seen Purdy in that situation, like a big-time game, like in playoffs. But seeing what we've seen in the past two weeks, it, it is a little concerning about that.
2: All right, let's move to the AFC, where another team that I think everybody felt, at least going through the year, was at bare minimum a contender, uh, struggling. And struggling more right now than San Francisco, which is the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are 4-3. and three. They're coming off of a game in which... Mac Jones looked like Joe Montana. 25 of 30 over 9 yards in attempt led them down the field it was 25-21 uh you know late in that game and led them down the field for a touchdown to win it uh 25-22 I think it actually was. And regardless, he leads them down in the final seconds to win. The Bills are sitting at 4 and 3. They've lost two of their last three, Jacksonville and New England. They very, very easily could have lost the other game to the Giants where they had to hold on to the one-yard line um, and needed the Giants to kind of be the Giants in that game, or, or they would have lost. They now sit a game out in the AFC East, which does not change from a week ago because Miami lost as well. Uh, but they are sitting in the seventh seed in the AFC, and they have a hard schedule ahead. Okay, They still play the Chiefs on the road the Eagles on the road, the Chargers on the road, the Bengals on the road, the Dolphins on the road, and they play Dallas at home. Those are six games that are not layups. Um, Level of one, scale one to ten. One, you're not worried at all. Ten, it's five alarm fire. How worried are you about Buffalo?
3: You know, I don't want to go too high, but I'll say seven. You know, it is very concerning, and and maybe I should go higher because Matt, I already called them pretenders in one of my stories, and people were not happy about that. You know how Bills Mafia is. They're gonna be uh they're they're gonna they're gonna speak out when they don't like something, but we gotta keep it real. You know, they're four and three. You know, they almost lost to a, a then one win team uh Giants, you know, on Sunday night football. That was a terrible performance and they couldn't survive against Mac Jones. Like the Patriots came into that game with twenty points combined in their prior three games. They got twenty nine on this Bills defense, and that's probably like the, the biggest alarm is that defense, like I wanted to kind of see how they would do it without Matt Milano. If you can't stop Mac Jones and the Patriots offense, you got big issues it's defensively. So you know these guys are not going to come back. So I'm very concerned about the defense. Offensively, they could figure it out, but when are they going to do it, Matt? Like it's been a year and a half with Ken Dorsey. There's some type of disconnect there. You know, I you know I'm not watching the entire all 22 every single week of the Bills to give you a legit answer, but right. it's not right. It ain't clicking. And if you don't have Stephon Diggs going off, like. That tends to lead to hero ball for Josh Allen. Josh Allen didn't make like a lot of mistakes, you know, in the Patriots game. But say Diggs is having a bad game in the in the playoffs, they're shutting him down. They have to the focus on him. Who do you go to? I know Kincaid had a, a decent game. Yep. Where's Gabe? Where's Gabe Davis? Where's James Cook being consistent? Running back. What happened to that rushing attack without Josh Allen doing all the work? So if Allen is playing hero ball and is carrying more than he needs to offensively, that's a recipe for disaster. We've seen that too many times and. Again, I'm going back to a 7, maybe even 8, because I don't trust this Bills team come playoff time.
2: Yeah, I'm actually at the same number. I'm at a 7. And it's like, you know, Gabe Davis had that whole from the, his fourth. Listen, it was one of the great games I've ever seen a receiver play. But he had that 200-yard, four touchdown game, that 13-seconds game in Kansas City. And Romo that night was like, oh, it's Big Game Gabe, and Gabe and his nickname. It's kind of stuck. I, I mean – there's got to be then like the yin to yang of that, right? Like at some point, then it's like, what, didn't show up Davis? I mean, half the games, you're like, is he active? Where the hell is he? I mean, it's bizarre. And look, he's not having a terrible year. I mean, he's on pace for that 850 yards. So it's not like he's done nothing. But it is bizarre. You look at his games this year. His yardage totals are 32, nothing. 92, good game. 35 on one catch, nothing. Uh, although it was a touchdown, granted, but still, they had one catch for 35 yards. Three catches for 61 yards and a touchdown. Like, Okay, oh, decent game. Jacksonville, six catches, 100 yards and touchdown. Very good game. Last two games, uh, he's combined for four catches and 27 yards. I mean, I don't know what to do with that other than to sit here and say, yeah, it's not great. Like, it, if you're on that team and you are relied upon as a main weapon, it's not great. However, it is better than what Dawson Knox has given him who do, who to seven games and now he's now he's on IR with an injury. Uh he has a hundred and two yards in seven games. So that's not great. Uh Dalton Kincaid had over seventy last week. Prior to that, it had really been a non factor. Maybe that gets him going, maybe he gets rolling a little bit here. But you're right. Like take it from somebody who actually did sit down and watch the all twenty two of the Bills this week, because I did uh one of my plays was a pick by Josh Allen, the all twenty two piece I, I roll out on Wednesdays. There were so many plays in that game where it was digs or bust. And it's like, if that if he's not open, you're screwed. And and then there'd be other times where digs would get open anyway, and Allen would just miss him. I mean, there were three times in that game that he egregiously missed him on, on like meaningful throws, throws that would have been first downs, chunk plays, one of which would have been a walk-in 70-yard touchdown, misses him deep, throws it five yards over his head, Look, everybody wants to just shift blame immediately to McDermott and Dorsey. And, and I think there's a lot of blame to be had there. They have not done a, a great job this team, in my opinion. But if I'm placing my, my lion's share of blame, it's on the quarterback. I mean, at some point here, man, you can't have nine turnovers in seven games. You can't lead the league in turnovers again. Last year, he led the league in turnovers. He's on pace to blow past that total. And at some point, like... You don't have a top-five defense anymore. That's gone. Daquan Jones is out for the year. Matt Milano's out. Tredavious White out. Like, it's over. You're not – Von Miller played six snaps on Sunday. I don't know. Is he healthy? Is he not healthy? Like, I I don't know what's going on. It doesn't look great. You don't have a defense that can just bail you out from having 20-plus turnovers this year. They lost that game week one because Josh Allen couldn't stop turning the ball over, point blank. And I'm not saying he's the reason they lost to New England and he's the reason they lost to Jacksonville, but like they had seven points in each of those games going into the fourth quarter. You can't tell me you're a top five guy in the league and then go out there and be a disaster for six of the eight quarters and it's not just the turnover. It is the missed throws. It is locking on to Diggs and everyone. Now, again, part of that is, I think, to be fair to him, they're not getting a whole lot of separation in some other places. I don't think they've used Kincaid enough, and and then there's also the fact that they run the ball like three times and they'll run it well, and then they don't throw it again for a quarter. And then it, so it's all this stuff mixed in. But right now they look like a good team. They don't look like a very good team. They don't look like a great team. They look like a team that's going to go about ten and seven and go to Baltimore in the wild card round and get and get handled. Maybe that changes, but right now it's not great. They played Thursday night against Tampa, and I don't know how you feel about it. Like should they win that game? Yeah. Would I be shocked if they lost that game? No, I would not. The way they're playing, so you know, we'll see how it goes. But it has been a a rough start for Buffalo.
3: Yeah, you know, you could see you're okay with seeing Kenny Pickett struggle for three quarters and then have a comeback in the fourth quarter. You you can't have that with Josh Allen, who's you know you're paying like a top five quarterback. He should be playing top five, you know, or an elite quarterback. So yeah, to be doing this for like like you mentioned, it, it wasn't Josh Allen's fault, you know, particularly last week. But the full sample size of the season, he has turnovers. You know, he's he's missing throws. He missed a bunch of throws in that Giants game. The one that Dawson Knox comes to mind. That's why Tyrod Taylor got one, one, one more chance to win that game, and they didn't. So, yeah, they're they're a good team. Good team. They could make the playoffs. I, maybe they'll win the AFC East. But even if they win the AFC East, I don't trust this team in the playoffs. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do at the trade deadline because they need a move defensively, offensively. They need something to spark this team. And you know, I don't know what's going on with their cap situation. Can they bring in like a big time player? Make make it make it work. I know people got to do some cap space kind of maneuvers to get get it done but you got to make a move you got to do something because when you see, I know they're in different conferences but the Eagles don't settle even when they have a good team they go get players and they make sure that they're right for the playoffs so this is Bill's team that's been you know you know second round first round whatever it is you got to do something because it feels like you're headed for another divisional exit again
2: yeah and, and their cap space situation is not great they're going to have a hard time I mean they're way over the cap for next year um, and they're pretty tight up against it now To start listening. All right, let's move to the Ravens. The Ravens absolutely demolished the Lions. 38 to 6. They were up 28 nothing for Detroit at a first down. Uh Lamar Jackson, well over 350 total yards in the game, four touchdowns, played great. Uh Zay Flowers had another nice game. He has been one of the better rookies uh this season, regardless of position. And the defense leads the league in sacks. They shut down Jared Goff and Company. They're sitting at five and two. Now they don't have a big lead in that division. They're a half game up on Pittsburgh. They're a half game up on Cleveland because that division is so damn good. Where do you, if you had to power rank the AFC right now, where do you put them? I mean, where are they in your hierarchy in the AFC?
3: Yeah, so we got a uh, Kansas City, right? And I'm trying to think after that because you got Miami, you know, Buffalo. What, the Jaguars could be number two, you know. The, I guess because I don't. It, it, here's the thing, Matt. Like I know you're putting me on the spot. I will give you an answer, but. You know, I, I want to say the Ravens are Super Bowl contenders, but at the same time, it was one really good game. Like That's why I'm a little annoyed with all the praise they're getting and saying Lamar Jackson is a, a super, uh, I mean, a MVP. Uh, this Todd Munkin hire was great from the start. And I'm like, a couple of weeks ago, we were all bashing Todd Munkin and Lamar Jackson because of what they did against Pittsburgh. They let a game go there and they couldn't score. They couldn't even throw past 200 yards. I know Lamar Jackson was completing these passes, but they weren't explosive. They weren't going down the field. No Rashad Bateman, no OBJ. And yeah, suddenly a great game. Fantastic. You destroyed a very good Lions team. So for that signature victory, I want to say you're a Super Bowl contender. But at the same time, it's 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 one big win. Like, obviously it's the Chiefs, but, you know, you still got to beat the Bengals. You still got to beat the Browns and the Steelers in a very tough division. The Dolphins could wake, could wake up and maybe eventually beat a winning team. I don't know. But I do like the Dolphins as well, too. So I guess to answer your question, maybe three or four uh, I'll go four. I think the, the Jaguars have been very impressive to win four games in a row, 19 days, three different cities. So yeah. let's go, let's go uh, Chiefs. Jaguars doesn't seem right to be number two, but I'll put them to Dolphins three, and then Ravens four because it's just one game. But I do like what, what I saw in that one game.
2: Man, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I also hate when one game happens and people just immediately are – Prisoners of the moment to the 18th degree. And, oh well, did you see what happened? Now this team, yeah, man, I saw it. I, I get it. They, I mean, it was a great game. It was one game. They've lost to Gardner Minshew and Kenny Pickett this year. I, I mean, and it, and it took them four quarters to put away Tennessee. So I get it. Uh, great win. They're fourth for me too. The only difference for you and I is I'd swap Miami and, and Jacksonville. Two and three. That that's it. I I would switch those. Like, Lamar Jackson, and I actually did all 22 on on the Ravens as well this week, so I watched a lot of them. Lamar Jackson was otherworldly. He played great. And Jay Flowers looks awesome. And everybody started talking about, like you said, Todd Munkin and this offense. Look how they're throwing the ball. Do you know how many yards Lamar Jackson's on pace to throw for this year?
3: About 3,000. 3,900. Oh, okay. Under (laughs) 4,000. Like,
2: I mean, I don't want to be dismissive, but like, who cares? Thirty nine hundred yards in the NFL today—it's not terrible, but it's not—you're not like, oh my god, like. I mean, it's it's fine, it's fine. He's also on pace for nineteen touchdown passes. Again, like, not spectacular. I mean, it's it's it's, it's—I mean, nineteen touchdown passes. There are guys in the league right now with fifteen. It's not Halloween yet. So I like the Ravens. But at the same juncture, it's like, here, here's, my, here's my thing. I have seen this song, I've heard this song, I've seen this movie, where they're really good in the regular season, and then we get to the playoffs. And you look at them and go, all right, man, well, who can I trust in a big game? And it's maybe Mark Andrews, probably Mark Andrews. I like Jay Flowers a lot. But after that, like... Do you believe in Nelson Aguilar in a playoff game? Because I don't. Odell Beckham, I mean, listen, I, I certainly love his high-end talent, but like he has 162 yards receiving this year. Rashad Bateman has been a hood ornament. He has 118 yards receiving. Like I, They don't throw to their backs. So I look at this, and I'm like, look, I think they're good. You know, I've, I've heard a lot made of, well, they lead the league in sacks, and, and, and you have to take that into account. So I always try to like, okay – how much of that is is a little bit smoke and mirrors and how much of that's real. I mean, they do lead the league in sacks. They're twenty fifth in the league in pressure rate. So it basically says like when they get home, they're unbelievable at getting home. They're not getting home that much. Like they're they're toward the bottom of the league in quarterback knockdown percentage. They're they're toward the bottom, as I just mentioned, in terms of pressure. They are dead last by a mile in hurry rate. By a mile, not even close. Like so, to me, I love it that they're that they're in their middle of the road in blitz rate. So they're actually blitzing a decent amount and still not getting any pressure. Like kudos to them that they've got 29 sacks, but that also tells me against a better quarterback. Like if you're not getting consistent pressure, you got a problem. And so I like the Ravens. I think they're a good team. I don't see them in the same way I see Kansas City, Philadelphia, San Francisco. I don't see them in that. That group, I see them in the next tier down, with the Jacksonville, Miami, uh, you know, Seattle. I I think that's more their their territory.
3: You know, it's kind of funny with with the Baltimore praise. I I think it's reversed. I think the current praise should be on the defense to making it work with what you have. Like that's great coaching by Mike McDonald. And like you mentioned, you know, they're they're still getting home, but it's not great numbers. But come come playoff time, you have no edge rushers, no star uh, players in the defensive front. That could really bite you, but currently they're doing a good job. Now the other way, offensively, they've been they've been up and down. Let's keep it real. It's not you know the entire season. It was one really good game, but here's the thing: I do like Matt. If they somehow you know really click with the passing game, because we've seen a run heavy Ravens team where Lamar Jackson yeah. it doesn't work in the playoffs. You got to throw the ball you know a, a good amount of time. So if he's really you know flourishing with the scheme and surpasses four thousand passing yards at the end of the season, and he's going into the playoffs being a very electric uh, past-first quarterback, I like their chances, but I am concerned about that defense. So I think that praise is a little flip. It should be currently on the defense, and then let's wait and see on the offense. But I'm very intrigued about this team, but a lot of question marks, like like you mentioned.
2: Yeah, and look, by the way, just to put a ball on it, they are number one defensively in yards per play again, so they are doing a nice job there. And last year, if he threw for 3,900 yards, that would have ranked them 10th in the league. So it's not bad. I mean, it's, it's certainly not bad. But it's also like, Okay, I mean, it's not it's not like he's out there going for 4,500 yards. I mean, it, it's it's fine. Uh, and 19 touchdown passes would have put him squarely uh, 15th in the NFL. So, again, not bad. Not bad. But just kind of like a little bit above average. And so that, that's where I sit. All right, let's get into our big story uh, and our bigger que- uh, big question here. Sunday Night Football, Eagles win. They win 31-17 over Miami. Miami basically got 10 points off the defensive uh uh the plays obviously the, the pick six and they got a fumble deep in in, in philly territory they converted for a field goal is the bigger story that the dolphins haven't beat a good team yet or that the eagles are starting to look strong and find themselves
3: yeah you know i, I want to go with the winning team w- with, with the eagles and I, i'll give i'll show the dolphins a, a little low why i'm not too worried but just watching that Sunday so that football game matt it was like yeah, they have the most complete team, and they they could win and play football. If you want to go down the field, no problem. AJ Brown, you know Devontae Smith. Oh, you want to shut those guys down down the field? Uh, Intermediate game, Dallas Goddard. Oh, DeAndre Swift could catch too. Want to run the football? DeAndre Swift. So Jalen Hurts touch push. You can't stop it. So, you know they were just great, and you get Kevin Byard too. Like, like I like Matt. Like I need a win this week, so I'm just gonna pat myself in the back for our piece that comes out Thursday. I typed in for the Eagles, go acquire Kevin Byer, but I couldn't have that one because it happened (laughs) two days too early, but you know, they're, they're making things work in the secondary. So yeah, maybe you want a little more help, with another cornerback, maybe a linebacker, but this team is ready. They're ready to go. And with the dolphins, like, you know, I don't want to call them soft, but like, it felt like they were missing that physical element. They needed some more power there. They need something, you know, offensively, but defensively, they'll get Jalen Ramsey back. I think he'll add an element of toughness there. Uh, I like what I saw from Bally Chubb and Jalen uh, Phillips. So, you know, they're, pr- they're improving defensively, but they need some more physical elements to this, to this game here.
2: I couldn't agree more, man, in terms of the physicality of it. Like, I think that Philadelphia, to me, it's not the bigger story that, with Philly in the sense that I just have always believed Philadelphia's going to be fine. They're so talented. They're, they're so well-coached. They're going to be fine. Um, and they're 6-1. I mean, for all the hand-wringing about, oh, Philly, what's wrong with Philly? They're 6-1. and one. I mean, nothing's wrong with Philly. They're going to be 14-3. and three. The, the bigger story to me right now is Miami not so much having a good team yet because they're 5-2 and two and they've blown out all the bad teams they've played and, and I, I don't think they're frauds by any stretch of the imagination. What I would say and what you just alluded to is in those losses to Buffalo and Philadelphia, they have been bullied up front. They have just been handled up front. And if you're going to win in January – You can't be bullied all over the field. You just can't. There have been plenty of teams in the history of the sport who have been finesse teams who have won the Super Bowl. The Niners in the 80s were a finesse team. The Niners were one of the best physically defensive teams of that era. I mean, ask Ronnie Lott, who got his pinky amputated to play in a playoff game. Okay, The, The 99 Rams were a finesse team. The Rams were sixth in defense that year. You know, these are teams. Not everybody's got to be the uh, 85 Bears or the 2000 Ravens. Nobody's asking the Dolphins to be that. But the Eagles basically lined up in that game and said, "You're soft. We're going to punch you in the mouth." Here it comes. And the Dolphins went, "You're right. We can't. We can't do anything back. That's not going to fly." Look, they've got the Pats this week. They ought to win. Then they go to Germany and play Kansas City. Oh, there's another opportunity. Kansas City right now is top ten defensively in just about every metric there is, and the Chiefs, despite on offense certainly being more of a finesse team, are physical defensively. They have Chris Jones up front, Carl up front, and up front. I mean, that's a team that they're gonna they're gonna hit you. Like the Dolphins, can you go out there? God knows Tyreek Hill is gonna be motivated in that game. Can you go out and can you show something? Can you prove something? Uh, but I I still think look I still think Philadelphia is the best team in the NFC. I've felt that all year long. I think. The Dolphins are still a team. They're going to be there mid-January. Um, they got to figure it out a little bit up front, because up front, right? Now, and and some of that's injuries, right? Armstead's hurt, and Wind went out. And now he's on IR. But like they, they got to figure that out. Because the the good teams, the good teams are just going to say, "Fine, we're going to punch you in the mouth all game long," and at some point, that's going to that's going to bear fruit.
4: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Let's go into our five games of the week with the lines, as always, provided by SI Sportsbook. And by the way, I usually say this at the end, but I'll slip it in here. If you're listening and you like the show or you like the show that Connor and Albert do, hopefully you like them both, uh go to uh wherever you get your podcast, whether it be Spotify or iTunes or Apple uh, play and subscribe to the MMQB podcast. Leave a question, leave a comment, uh with a rating and a review, and if you leave a question, we'll answer it. Um so please uh go ahead and do that if you would. All right. Week eight. We are approaching the midway point of the season. And we are going to start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're 5-2. and two. They are leading the AFC South. Starting to pull away a little bit here. Four-game win streak. Putting that on the line in Pittsburgh. Taking on the Steelers. Steelers coming off of a win after their bye. They handled the Rams at SoFi. They moved to 4-2. and two. They're a half game back in the AFC North. Jags laying 2 and a half here. here. Uh, you like Jacksonville on the road or you like the Steelers to find a way?
3: You know, I, I really want to like Jacksonville, and I'm still mad at myself for picking the Saints. You know, last week for Thursday Night Football. No. You know, yeah, so, and and maybe and maybe the Saints could, should have won. You know, Foster Moreau got, got that touchdown there. That was, that was a tough break for him. You know, but it just feels like a letdown game for Jacksonville because they've done so much. Like you know, four game winning for, Like I mentioned, London, Jacksonville, New Orleans, and now you have to go to Pittsburgh. And you know, I think Pits- Pittsburgh is kind of turning a corner. Like I don't I don't like watching them play, but. When you got TJ Watt and just stepping up making, like you know, a lot of people like to talk about the best edge rushers in the game, but he's a true game breaker. He can make a big difference as a defensive player, and not, not a lot of defensive players could say that. He can get you a, a pick six, a, a, a clutch sack, whatever it is. So, you know, you know, going into Pittsburgh for a, a, a Jacksonville team with a lot of miles before a bye week, it just screams like a letdown game. Yeah, and you know, and maybe maybe they turn a corner off- offensively because they got Deontay John- Johnson. Like when I was watching that Rams game. Deontay Johnson made such a big difference with Kenny Pickett because before it was like, All right, where's George Pickett? Let me throw it downfield. All right, you got it a couple of times, that's great, and you got nothing else. Najee Harris stepped up finally. So I'm gonna go Pittsburgh here. You know, I don't feel great about it, but being at home and then the Jaguars just having a bunch of miles in the last month before a bye week, it feels like a letdown to me coming.
2: Well, you know, I don't think it's crazy. Um I am taking Jacksonville because I just am not gonna pick Kenny Pickett over Trevor Lawrence, but <laughs> You know, the Steelers do have this penchant. You, you'll watch them and you're like, how are they winning football games? They're not good, and yet they just find a way. Like, defensively, obviously, they have some, some major talent, even without Hayward right now. And Tomlin's a great coach. But you watch me, you're like, this team is painful. They're physically painful to watch, and yet they're 4 and 2. So uh, I expect it to be a very good game. I'll take Jacksonville. I just I I like the way they're playing right now. I like the way Lawrence is playing. Uh, I think there might be some plays out there if they can get rid of the ball. I do worry about Lawrence getting sacked quite a bit in this game, but I will take Jacksonville on the road in a game that I think should come down to the last five minutes. Um, second on our docket, going to the NFC, the Rams three and four. Uh, Got to be smarting after that loss at home to Pittsburgh. They go to Dallas to take on a rested Cowboys. Second week in a row, the Rams catching the team off the bye week. The Cowboys laying six and a half at Jerry World. Uh, I'll lead her off here. I Look, I like Dallas in this game. Off the bye, Rams, uh, look, I love Puka Nakua, how could you not? You get Cooper Cup back, but they don't have Williams in the backfield. That's a big loss. Um, I don't trust them to hold up in the secondary in this game. I think it's right around the number. I think it's like twenty-seven to twenty, something like that. But I like Dallas to get the five and two here and put the Rams a little bit further down here in the NFC standings.
3: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I even like the Cowboys to to cover. I think they're minus six and a half. Like yep. coming off a bye week and they they had a you know a, a winning performance against the Chargers. It wasn't the best performance, but I like what the the way they used C.D. Lamb and, and Tony Pollard. So they finally got their big guns going there. So you know I could easily see. The was going in and just dominating the Rams. And I know Sean McVay got a lot of credit for what he did in the first month of the season, you know, without Cooper Cup and just, you know, just coaching his butt off. But they have issues of offensively. Like if Stafford is not, you know, locking in on Cooper Cup, they're not really doing much. And last week, it was not much Cooper Cup. It was just the cool. Like they haven't figured out how to spread the ball around. When Tutu Alvo got his touchdown against the Steelers, it was a lucky break. He was trying to do a YOLO pass to Cooper Cup, and Tutu just kind of undercut it. And OK, no interception. I got the touchdown right here. Then you're right about Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams, when he plays well, that's when they won all the, all three of their games. Like he is the identity of the way they want to play. When you when you're lacking talent, you want to play ball control, and Kyron Williams was making a difference. Like, I get that you know Daryl Henderson and Royce Freeman had decent numbers, but it's not an impact. It's not a game changer or a game deciding kind of play style. So they got issues offensively. The defense has been okay. They don't they don't make a lot of turnovers or takeaways to say, but they usually kind of keep the game very close. So. But I just feel like the Cowboys are kind of surging at this moment from a bye week, and and they'll handle the the Rams uh, pretty easily, I feel like.
2: Yeah. No, I I think that's all all fair. Um, It feels like the Rams might be teetering on the brink a little bit. All right. Staying in the NFC, but this time over to the NFC North for what is actually a fairly important game all of a sudden in terms of the playoff race. The Vikings going up to Wisconsin, taking on the Packers. Minnesota laying one and a half. Uh, look the Packers it feels like this thing is kind of starting to unravel a little bit here. They started out the year 2 and 1. They've lost three straight including to the, the Raiders and the Broncos with a bye sandwich in between. That is a rough stretch to lose two games if you're a team with a very small margin of error. Minnesota 1 and 4. Justin Jefferson gets out, put on IR with a hamstring like oh they're done. Beat the Bears, beat the Niners. And now all of a sudden you're sitting there going, they win this game. My God, they're four and four, they're they're back in it. They're back in the playoff race. Do you like Minnesota to keep the momentum going? Do you think they stubbed their toe up in Lamba?
3: Yeah, you know I like Minnesota, and and I feel like Green Bay has a lot of concerns. Like, you no, know, and and it's, it's weird because I like what I saw from Jordan Love the first maybe two or three games of the season. Like he he was keeping them in the games when they had a bunch of injuries, and now they're losing because of Jordan Love. Like he has seven turnovers in the last maybe three or four games, and you know, I get it was, it was third and 20. You had to make a play in Denver, but to force that ball for interception and just end the rally, like that's the, the worst way you could have ended that game there. And then you're playing Denver. You couldn't get more than 17 points. And you have Christian Watson, and Aaron Jones back and a couple linemen too. So I am very concerned about the Packers. And what does it say about Matt LaFleur, who kind of like was cruising with Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, And now you have Jordan Love, you're not really doing much. So they got to play better but I like Minnesota being kind of on the rise and I don't know how I feel about Brian Flores blitzing at 60% rate but yeah. it's working so far so I guess maybe do I guess a turnover prone quarterback.
2: I like Minnesota um, not only because they won two in a row but they're just a better team I mean they're just more talented like the Packers defensively you look at them they have talent but Joe Barry is involved and Joe Barry as a defensive coordinator is not something I feel great about if I am uh, rooting for that team so I just don't know where you go with this. Like, who's the guy on offense that, when they've got to have it, bails you out? Who is it? I don't know. Does that guy exist? Is it Christian Watson? Maybe. I, I'm not sure. I'll tell you what. Justin Jefferson's great. Great, great, great. And they miss him. Jordan Addison can play. And I wrote about him. I did my feature on him when I was up at the training camp this summer up in Egan. Like, that dude, it was obvious even then. He is really good. And he is showing you why. So, look, Minnesota trying to hang in until Jefferson gets back might well do it. We both think they're going to get the 4-4. and All right. Let's move on to – I'm actually going to switch the order of this real quick because there's some breaking news. The Bengals and the Niners. Niners favored by 5.5, but Brock Purdy is now in the concussion protocol. Uh, Started having symptoms on the plane ride back from Minnesota. And so, they are on a short week. They are playing Cincinnati. The Bengals are coming off of a bye. No Debo Samuel. Trent Williams may return at left tackle. Who knows with Purdy? Purdy might be able to play in the game. He might not. If he can't go, it's Sam Darnold. And so uh, all of a sudden, the Niners, who were five and zero and everybody's darling, now five and two at home laying five and a half to a Bengals team that is three and three despite everything that's gone on with them, and they're trying to get themselves right. You like the Bengals to go on the road, spring the upset, or do you think the Niners find a way regardless? Of who's playing quarterback?
3: That's a tough break for the Forty ers or Brock Purdy in the concussion protocol, and I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, sometimes you know, you know, a player can't make it out for two weeks, or hey, he's he's fine. He'll he'll be okay and playing the game. So you know, just not not knowing anything right now. Like you know, I already made my pick for the for the, the staff one. I, I went with the Forty ers I feel like I should change it here, but. I hate being the guy who makes different picks here, so I'm going to stick to it, Matt. I'm going to regret it. I already know it, but give me the 49ers. Hopefully, we block Purdy because this team is too talented to have a terrible defensive defensive performance again and losing three three straight in a row and being at home too. The Bengals are good. They're coming off a bye week. I have no confidence in this pick. That's why I don't even know what to say, Matt. But maybe Purdy's fine, and we're all freaking out for no reason. We'll see what happens, but give me the 49ers.
2: You know what? There is no team in the NFL less dependent on their quarterback than the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know that there's that massive of a difference, quite honestly. I mean, I think Purdy's better. But how much better? I don't know. Uh, I am going to stick with my pick as well. I'm taking the 49ers either way. Like I I just have to see Burrow play well. I know he's off the bye and, and, and supposedly Wednesday he was taking some snaps on the center, which was new, and That's great. I didn't see him play all the other thing I got to tell you. Like, can the the Bengals block them in this game? I mean, that's the other part of this. Especially after a game where the Niners, all you're hearing is how, hey, where was the defensive line? Where was Bosa? Where was this? Where was that? You're going to get that group in their own building against the Bengals' offensive line. That is not uh, something I'm feeling great about. So, Take that for what it's worth, but I like the Niners to find a way to get the job done uh, with or without Purdy. And then lastly, we go to uh, Seattle, another backup quarterback certainly will be involved in this game. P.J. Walker and the Browns at Seattle. Seattle laying three and a half uh, up in uh, Quest Field. Do you like Seattle to uh, handle business here? Do you think P.J. Walker moves to three and a half?
3: Yeah, I like Seattle. I I just don't see P.J. Walker getting this one done here. And he hasn't played that great. You know, they've done a good job of—he's done a good job of of staying in games. And the first game, the defense, you know, pretty much, you know, did a lot of the work. And then the second game, Miles Garrett just had this, you know, alien performance where he just single-handedly kept the Browns in it and the referees, too, as well. So, yeah, I think P.J. Walker doesn't get this one done here. But I got to say, man, I am concerned with Geno Smith. I don't know what's going on with him. He keeps trying to, you know, force the ball down the field. He's holding the ball for like five seconds. Like it feels like an eternity out there. So, uh, I do not like that this, the Seahawks. When he had what twenty points against the Cardinals, you got to do better than that. No DK Metcalf. I get that, but Seattle handle business against like a very good Browns defense and show your your legit team in the NFC. Yep.
2: Uh, I listen. I don't even spend a ton of time on it. I do not believe P.J. Walker is going to win this game. He has not been very good. He is completing half of his passes, literally fifty percent. He has zero touchdown passes and three picks. Now, to their credit, they've won the games. Uh, I do not think they're going to Seattle and winning this game. I think Seattle is very good. I think Seattle will handle business. They add Frank Clark, by the way. and Chenin Nwosu out for the year, which stinks. He's a good football player. Uh, but Frank Clark comes in to kind of replace him or at least try to replace him. I like Seattle a lot in this game. Look, Cleveland, I know they beat Indianapolis. One thing that would be mildly concerning, their defense got lit up in that game. So is that like one of these, hey, it's a blip on the radar thing, or is it, yeah you know what actually like Seattle's about to hang 30 on you too. we're gonna find out i like Seattle, and by the way i gotta tell you it's my favorite line of the week i like a big like i three and a half three and a half points with pj walker on the road in seattle uh yeah i'm happy about that the other line which we're not, we're not gonna get into the game really but it opened at eight and a half it's down to six and a half now on si sportsbook is the chiefs against denver um I can see that being a trap game because the Chiefs have Miami next week. At the same point, like the Chiefs have not lost to Denver since Obama was president. Um just food for thought. I don't know. Maybe it tease that bad boy down, take it at take it at a point, what a half a point. At, I like it. I like it for the Chiefs. Uh, but uh could be a trap game. So I also can see where the lines dropped a little. All right. Let's get into what is going on in your life. Did you successfully get to stay in this weekend or did you have to go out?
3: Uh no I, I I mission accomplished I stayed home and I just wanted to watch some Halloween movies and you know I, I'm a, f- a fan of the the scream franchise but I never got around to watching the fifth and the sixth I'm like by the time you get to five and six like they're gonna be terrible movies why should I waste my time but I was at home Halloween season and I turned it on and both movies had a good start with a horrendous awful ending and they got the from the fifth one to the sixth one the ending was so much worse so if you like if you're a fan of the scream franchises give it a chance but uh, expect a very terrible ending for both of them and then matt i will not be at home this weekend i'm actually going to be going to a shrek party it's halloween but we all have to dress as a character from shrek and my partner caroline she is lord Farquaad, and we wanted to be a couple so i suggested to be the i think his name is telonius Thel- there you go he's the one that tortures people tortured the gingerbread man so i will be handling the torturing for this party
2: nice nice I um I feel like I talk about this every week, but I got nothing else going on, so unless I want to bore everybody with the kids, um, I, I guess I could just say I, I, I never get to sleep because my six year old daughter just can't stop waking up at three o'clock in the morning and then just asking me what's going on, and, Hey, hey, all right, what's what's happening? Having a good sleep? Like yeah, I was. Thanks, thanks for this. That's good. Yeah, all right, I'll be back. Uh, you know, when I wake up next, And she comes back in an hour. Uh, nobody's sleeping. Uh, but in any event. So this weekend, got uh, got the dual pickleball tournaments, got the mixed one Friday, got the men's doubles on Saturday. I uh, I mentioned it earlier. So on, on Friday, it's mixed, and my partner, it's a Halloween tournament, and so they're they're giving away a prize for the best uh, outfit. And so she wanted to be Tinkerbell, and she's like, you need to be Peter Pan. And I was like, um, all right. So I ordered this costume off of Amazon, as one does, and it came in, and it all fit great except for the fact that the tights go up to my knees. So I just had to order separate tights. Now this costume's getting expensive, and I now own two pairs of green tights, and I am not happy about it because I got to tell you, man, I'm 6'2", 230. I'm not made for tights. Like, this, is, this, is a, this is a body made for power, not for grace, and I, am, uh, I, I have to play pickleball in this. And I don't like. I've asked a handful of other people I know. I'm like you guys, dressing up They're like no. I feel like we're going to be the only only people wearing a costume, having to play in a tournament that has like actual like ramifications on the line. I mean, as much as it possibly can for an adult pickleball tournament. Um, so yeah. So I got the two tournaments, and then Saturday right after the, the men's double tournament is done, I uh, I have two Halloween parties to hit. I got my sister in law's having a party. We're gonna stop by there. Um, and then a uh, friend of the family uh, having, having a party at night that, that the kids are not coming to. So that, that's the party that really gets bumping. That's the party where the bourbon comes out, uh, and, then, and then maybe the phone comes out so I can call an Uber. But in any event, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's my slate for the weekend. And listen, if I win a medal at this, uh, this pickleball tournament, and I, and I win it as Peter Pan— I will post a photo on Twitter so everybody can mock and embarrass uh, me as much as they would like to. They deservedly will do so. Uh, I uh, I'm sure it is not going to be a pretty sight, but uh, it is what it is.
3: Are, are you going to be wearing the Peter Pan outfit the entire day from pickleball to two parties? Or I'm guessing, uh, but you know, you could you could take a shower and clean up, and then you have the extra pair of tights too to keep wearing the so outfit too.
2: Friday, I'm wearing the the Peter Pan thing. Thank God. After okay, different that, days. I'm, yeah. Saturday, I'm just like that. That's the more of the serious of the two tournaments. Like the first one, the mixed one. Not to say I don't want to win. You know, my partner certainly like to win, but I. It's more like, hey, let's go, let's have some fun, you know. Saturday's more. I want to win this tournament, and so I will not be dressing up as Peter Pan. And I will go home right after the tournament, grab a shower, and then and then head out. And you know, if I have to dress up for Saturday for the Halloween parties, I don't even know that I have to. If I do. I am just going to grab like a, one of the, like the full size NFL helmets I have in my office and then just be like, Hey, I'm a football player and, and just be lame and that's it, but it'll work. So
3: maybe you could wear a, a Colts, uh, new uniform, you know, yeah. for this party.
2: I could be the ugliest person alive <laughs> Yeah, and go get the, go get the ugliest uniform ever created. I could, um, I, I you know what? That actually would be pretty funny. So then I'd have to buy it and I don't want to support that nonsense. um, you know, Jim Irsay needs to be stopped. So, all right. That's all we got. We're in an hour. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Like I already told you, please go ahead and, and subscribe and rate and review and all the rest of it. Uh, we really appreciate it. And if you're still listening, thank you so much for listening to the entire uh, podcast. We will, of course, be back next Wednesday after the Week 8 slate of games. So good luck to your team. Your team's playing because nobody's going to buy. Uh, all 32 are in action. Uh, we'll be back to break it all down. And then some. So, for Gilberto Manzana, I am Matt Verduran. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will talk to you again next week. <laughs>